Welcome, everyone. This is a special episode of Movie Geek and Proud. I am Rob. I'm Sean. And we are here with a special guest joining us for this specific all the horror review of Popcorn. We are joined by Tony from Flix X-Raid Podcast. Hi, guys. <laughs> How's it going? It's going fantastic. How about you guys? We are doing great. Thank you so much for joining our show. Um, I just put out there like, okay, I'm going to be doing this movie, Popcorn. Does anybody want to watch this with me? <laughs> and Tony raised his hand first. So this is a collab in the making. I don't think we've ever worked together before, right? Nope. Not that no, I'm aware yeah. of. Yeah, this is our first time. So, Only in my dreams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for helping us out on this review. And speaking of all the horror, I just want to bring up that um, if you're new to this show or new to this specific special that we have, basically, um, last year there was a project where a whole bunch of podcasts got together and celebrated the month of October by doing a 31 Days of Horror um, by... A podcast each day reviewing a horror movie for your listening pleasure. This gives you an opportunity to have all 31 days of October filled with some horror-themed episode from many different podcasts from around the globe. And we are doing it once again this year. And we have been um, we have been tagged to do a film that was actually recommended to us from a proud movie draft winner. Uh, Brian from the Blood Buddies podcast won our um, movie draft, I think, in July and has chosen for us to review the movie Popcorn, which is a 1991 uh, horror film. And he absolutely loves this. I want to read something that he sent to me um, describing his love for the film. So Popcorn is a wonderful film that flew under so many radars. I first heard of it from a friend that was unlawfully downloading movies just by checking out how ridiculous the poster looks. Which, hey, doesn't that harken back to the blockbuster era? And so the name Popcorn sounds so familiar, so I did some research and saw that the movie will be would, was screening um, in Durham for a horror film festival with Jill, the lead, showing up for a Q&A. So he went to the screening and fell in love with the movie immediately. It's super schlocky, a love letter to the 40s, 50s era of horror, and had some really great set design and makeup. Plus, there's tons of reggae due to the filming in Jamaica. And who doesn't like that? So since the screening, I have been obsessed with the movie and have been trying to get others to see it. And I'm glad that Movie King Proud will be seeing the movie and he's excited to hear what we think. <laughs> so that is um, an insert from Brian. Thank you again for recommending this movie and hopefully you guys um, enjoyed this episode. Uh, just to get a little bit of flavor from um, Flix X-Rayed podcast, Tony is going to do something that he usually does on his show. Uh, Tony, why don't you take it away? All right, so we're going to be playing a game. Uh, so the way this works is we're going to be playing The Price is Right. Uh, so what I have here is I've gone and pulled as many numerical facts as I could about this, which sometimes older movies, especially from the early 90s and before, it's always hard to find some of those numeric values. 
But I went ahead and I did some research and I found some stuff. And so we're going to play the Price is Right and have you guys try to guess some of these figures. Price is Right rules, which means closest uh, without going over gets the point. Uh, if you get it bang on, it's worth double points. And if you guys are both over it, we're going to start the round over again. All right. So if you guys want to rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first. Okay. Okay. We keep doing the same thing like four times. Keep going. There you go. (laughs) You did that on purpose. Yep. (laughs) We were totally twinsies just now. Wow. That was the longest I've ever done. Yeah. That was crazy. Okay. So it looks like I won, Rob. All right. Perfect. All right. So you're going to go first. In the first category that I was able to find, I couldn't actually find the budget for this film. I tried really hard. Nowhere is it listed the budget, but I did find out what it made for domestic box office. So, in millions, not thousands, what do you think this made in domestic box office? So, that's in North America. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to say domestic box office. Two million. Two? All right. I'll say, hmm, should I go higher or lower than you? I just have to go a little bit higher, a little bit lower. Don't say two million and one. I'll say two million and one. <laughs> I, hate, I hate those bitches so much who do that. Uh, you, you just prices right at him and you get the point. So this actually in domestic box office made $4.2 million. 4.2. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were way off. Yeah, we were. Jeez. All right. All right. So this didn't have a foreign box office release. Uh, but I did find out what it had for its limited opening weekend. So it had a very small opening weekend, and then it went for a wide release. I'm putting that in air quotes. Uh, so what do you guys think? We're going to switch who uh, starts this round. Uh, limited opening weekend, what do you think it made? Knowing its overall run, it made 4.2. Hmm. I'll say it's probably way too high. I'll say 20000 Twenty thousand opening weekend. For, for, All right, opening weekend. Oh, opening weekend. Yeah, opening oh, weekend. I want to go lower. I'm lower gonna... than? <laughs> no, I'll go twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Okay. All right. Opening weekend. Okay. Are you gonna prices right him just because he did it to you? No, I'll 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 go a little higher. I, I'll say about a million. I have a feeling that a lot of people saw this right away, and then it just slowed down after that. So You're actually opening very weekend correct. Was about, yeah. Yeah. It's opening weekend, 2.5 mil. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I thought it would have started slow. Yeah. Everybody just went for it. And then, yeah. All right. So the next thing I was also able to pull, uh, due to the times, I actually was able to find out what it made from its original uh, home video sales. So when they released this thing on DVD, I, fa- I was able to pull the numbers on what they made. All right. So switching who starts the round again. What do you think? Uh, Home video sales. Home video sales. Is this like a certain like amount of time or just like? Uh, so this is on its original release to VHS. Okay. And like to this day, how much is home video sales? Well, no. So this is just its VHS run because uh, I did see a different release for its DVD and its Blu-ray, but I just pulled the VHS. Oh, okay. God, I, I wouldn't have a clue. I... <laughs> I'll I'll go with God. How much were VHSs back then? Um, 
Jeez. Um, I'll I'll say I'll say about five hundred thousand. I I don't okay. I don't think I've ever looked at numbers VHS before. Go ahead. I'm gonna say five hundred thousand and one. You are so boring. <laughs> and you take the point. It actually made uh, two million dollars in VHS box office sales. Nice. Two another two million. That's pretty good. Yeah. Right. So that means between its VHS and its uh, domestic box office, it made six point two million dollars. That's which I. I don't think that's good. Um, for a movie like this, it's actually pretty good. Trying to it find budgets for stuff like this, it's usually not easy, but I can get bet you it's less than like a million bucks. It's pretty good. All right. So I have two more categories here. And uh, Sean, I believe you're in the lead. One dollaring all this, right? You're right. <laughs> all right. So you're starting off this round. Uh, we're going to do the Rotten Tomato rating. So I don't know if you guys actually looked th- looked at these or not. But these are in percentage. So the first one is, what is the critic rating in percentage? Critic rating. Well, I feel like this is a, kind of a weird cult classic-y thing. So I'm going to go low, but not super low. Okay. I'm going to say 20. Right. 20%? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm actually going to go lower than that. I'll I'll say 15 all right, well, uh, Sean, you take the point. It is thirty-seven oh. percent. Uh, wow, oh. it's higher. Okay. All right, and the last category I have here uh, is the audience ratings. So, knowing that the critics gave it the thirty-seven, it's kind of a cult classic. What do you think the audience thinks of it? Um, I would say it's about forty percent, just a little higher. Okay. I'm going to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and say 42. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is exactly 40. So that means uh, Rob Ah! gets double points and you guys uh, end this off in a tie. Yeah! I've never liked you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's the price is right for this one. I can normally try and pull a little bit more figures, but older movies are a little challenging. Especially older kind of cult indie films. Okay. Nice. Well, thank you so much for that. And um, we're going to have another game for you towards the end of the episode. Now, let's talk about popcorn. So this it film... It is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie was originally released on February 1st, 1991 in the U.S. And it is about a murderer begins killing off teenagers at a horror movie marathon they have organized in an abandoned theater, according to IMDb. It, its directors is Mark Harrier, Alan Ornsby, who is uncredited, and writers include Mitchell Smith for the story, Alan Or Ornsby is the screenplay, and it stars Jill uh, Sholian, uh, Tom Villard, D. Wallace, among some other stars that pop up through the movie. Uh, so before we get into what we thought of popcorn, what is your sort of relationship with forties and fifties horror or something that is sort of in the B related style movie? Um, Tony, we'll start with you. Uh, for me, I'm actually a big fan of the, uh, classic universal horror movies. Uh, so creature from the black lagoon, the original, uh, Wolfman, uh, you know, uh, a lot of all of those classic movies, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of them. 
uh, especially some of the more cult stuff. Um, not so much from the seven sixties. It's closer to the uh, early seventies, late sixties, like toxic Avenger and stuff like that, where you started getting Technicolor in there. I, I really love that kind of era of cheesy effects over the top ridiculousness. And, you know, I just kind of love that stuff, especially when it comes to some of the older uh, black and white films. Uh, for example, one of the, some of the stuff I really love is like looking at the physical props, for example, creature from the black lagoon, um, there's a lot of kelp in that, but the kelp is actually aluminum foil because it didn't pick up on the black and white cameras properly. Or like the original Adams Family stuff, uh, one of the fun facts I love about that is the entire manor is actually pink and purple because it's the only way to get gray to show up on uh, black and white. <laughs> Very nice. I did not know that. Awesome. Yeah. Sean, what about you? So I think I'm very similar to Tony. I actually went on a kick where I watched a big chunk of the Universal Monster movies. Um, in particular, I know this one's not everybody's favorite, but I love Son of Frankenstein. It was just so wonderfully cheesy. And I can tell where young Frankenstein picked up a lot of its humor from. So definitely those. Um, I watched a lot of the Hammer horror films, which were kind of the remakes. or not, I guess not remakes, but a new stab at the old monster movies. But the one that this movie... Popcorn reminded me of that I'm a big fan of is the director William Castle. He was known for making horror films with these like 3D effects or smell of vision. And the one in particular my sister and I love is 13 Ghosts, mm. the original one. Yeah. So I'm down for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am the heaviest novice of the group here tonight. I will admit I need to do some serious homework on that era of horror. Uh, as much as I do love it, I was, you know, stuck in the 80s and 90s of horror movies and can't seem to escape it. Uh, but I have absolutely nothing against that era. It's just my knowledge of it is super, super low. So I would need to do some heavy research. However, that era isn't something that I dislike or distaste or, or feel that I wouldn't like it. I just haven't really had too much opportunity to just sit down and and watch it anything that comes really close as far as like b movie again there are a few titles that are somewhat in the 80s or 90s that i have watched as a kid toxic avenger is one of them i don't remember it that well but i do remember watching it as a kid um not the original swamp thing but return <laughs> of the swamp thing with heather locklear and also the very very cheesy and over the top dead alive Oh, yeah. So uh, that, again, just kind of fits sort of the category um, within this. And so that's just my history. So now everybody knows exactly who it is that is rating this movie today. Um, so, Sean, what did you think of Popcorn? First of all, this is all of our first viewings, correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay, so we've never seen this. So this is all first impression, first initial viewing. What did we think of popcorn? I had actually never even heard of it before this. Really? This was completely new to me. Oh, I've I see this poster every time I walk through the halls of Blockbuster. I've I've always recognized this and just never watched it. Um, overall, I thought the movie was I. <laughs> <laughs> Translation: I means horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely it had some good things going on, which I could see why it stands out as different. Is it the most entertaining movie? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Tony, what about you? What's your initial thought on popcorn? 
uh, for me, one of the first things I really noticed about it when I watched is even though it was released in 91, which means it was probably filmed in 89 or 90, uh, depending on the time, it really feels like it was, it should have come out in like the early eighties or late seventies. Uh, so as interesting as it was, I feel like it was kind of out of time a little bit, like it was out of sync. Um, but ultimately I kind of really liked the concept of it. I think the execution's a little over the top, but I really like the concept. Very good. Yes, I will agree with you on that. The concept I thought was very, very interesting. I didn't expect it to be campy, and I also expected more horror in a, in a, in a way that the 90s brought to the table at the time. And we already had Freddy and Jason out, even Mike Myers, obviously, I didn't think this movie had a horror icon attached to it, but again, I thought I was going to get more of a horrific movie. Very Phantom of the Opera type deal from the synopsis that I read, and I just didn't expect it to be like as campy as the movies that they were showing on screen. Uh, having said that, though, uh, again, the concept I think is amazing. Just having that sort of 4D experience. I've never done anything like that before. Have you guys done that before? I yes. did once. Um, well, so a lot of the showings, like what you see here, they've done a lot of the stuff where I'm, I'm at at a couple of local theaters, but they'll, they like to do it with like, um, I've gone and watched the, uh, what was it? The original Piranha in 3d, so like the one from 1974, if I can remember the year correctly. Um, also, it's not so much done in 4D, but uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, one of my friends oh, loves yeah. to go. Yeah. It, have you ever done it when the audience is in full interaction, throwing stuff at the screen and stuff, right? Like those are some of those great events. Um, we have a lot of stuff like that here. Uh, there's a couple organizations that put those together. I once did a one where I went to go watch Godzilla uh, versus Mothra, and that was done on a projector where they were projecting. We all were on top of a skyscraper, and they were projecting onto another skyscraper in the city. And so we were watching it on a different building. So it's like there's a lot of events like that that I tend to go to. Um, and, yeah, so, like, I've never done the smell of vision I've always thought that would be hilarious, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done my fair share of those like ridiculous 3D movies. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. I've done Rocky Horror, which you just reminded me of, which is a lot of fun because yeah. you can even buy like your little bag that has all the stuff you need, like a newspaper to put over your head when it's raining and popcorn to throw. Um, the other one I did, which was hysterical to me, let me set the scene. Me and Chris, he's wearing a sweatshirt. I'm wearing a tank top. We went and saw Pirates on Stranger Tides. Okay. And we went to a 4D whatever theater where they were like <laughs> blowing air on us. They were squirting water all over us for all the water scenes. Chris hated it. He, <laughs> he was so miserable. He said he was freezing the whole time. The whole time I was sitting there like laughing. I thought it was hysterical. I thought it was the most fun thing ever. The seat was moving. The air was blowing. The water was squirting. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know what? I actually remember we did a Muppets one like that. So we went to a Muppets 3D uh, showing when I was a kid. And I remember because um, they would do all sorts of stuff where they would like blow the air under the seat when like things were supposed to be running around your ankles and stuff like that. And I remember it really greatly because they did that and freaked my brother out. 
And then they started blowing bubbles and bubbles descended from the ceiling. And I don't know why, but that made him scream and run out of the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Bubbles. I did something very similar to that. The only example that I have of 4D would be um, when the Avengers first came out. And I believe it was Universal Studios had that small little animated mini movie for you to go and see. And what they did was for like the air or somebody like flying above you or below you or, or sweeping you off your feet, they would have the air blowing at your feet. And then um, I think there was a point where like flies or something was around me. So they like sprouted air in your face, but it, but it felt very like things was like flying around my face. And then I think they even had just a little bit of squirts of water come at you at one point too. But yeah, that's probably the closest that I got. I don't remember if they had to smell anything. I've but. actually done that exact one you're describing. Um, okay. When yeah, I was no. it, last last year, when I was in uh, London, uh, we went to Madame Tussauds, and they was had that, that thing. Yeah, so they had them at, had it at Madame Tussauds uh, as part of like their you know wax museum. They had that that same thing, but I remember that that Maybe was that's uh, what that I was did. ridiculous. That's that could be what I did it because I was in London, so I have a feeling that's probably the same thing. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, so I did that, and then actually Fox did a TV event. So back in the day when like TV Guide was like the shit, you would go and buy the TV Guide, and inside were these cards, and basically they gave you um, 3D glasses, one episode. Like so, basically there was a, a Fox primetime like two hour thing where they had like four sitcoms in a row right one of them had a 3d effect like the mask and so you would wear these 3d glasses and like animation would pop out or whatever and then one show had one where they would indicate when you're supposed to scratch and sniff so you can smell (laughs) what they're smelling so they tried to get you to interact with the show and i think it was like martin living single and whatever show that came on around that same time Oh, i remember those so that was another experience but um nothing like popcorn and this is actually something that i would go to i think this would be a lot of fun and um the movies that they were showing just a huge marathon of just like three full-length films i think it would be a good time back to the movie though unfortunately i just didn't get what i wanted to see from a movie like this and so it was it that took me out of it already and then just what were you hoping to see basically just just more scares I, i guess less of the cheesy factor there was something about like the dream sequences that she was having that just felt really cheesy, but not like suspenseful or horrific. But I will say that I like the mystery aspect of it. They gave us something to figure out, like, who is this guy? What is the reason why she's having those dreams? And that is what kept me, in, you know, like locked into the movie without completely zoning out was that there was a mystery to solve. Are we going to are we going to spoilers this? Yes, yes, we are definitely going to spoil this. This is a spoiler show, so yes. Okay, good. I just wanted to double check because I was like, "Ah, we didn't really discuss that beforehand, but I totally want to spoil the fact that Um, it was kind of ridiculous with who the villain turned out to be. Yes, very, very ridiculous. I did not guess him, but like process of elimination, there was nobody left. 
I mean, they killed like all the dudes. So <laughs> I was like, there's nobody left. I was really hoping it would turn out to be like Joy, like one of the girls was like faking being a dude. Mm-hmm. I'm a little confused though, because it turns out it's just a person. So why is she having these dreams, and why did all the letters jump off the man, the marquee at D. Wallace? Yeah. Um. So I, my theory is the fact that because a lot of other stuff was rigged throughout the whole show, so was the marquee. Okay. That's that's my only explanation. But yes, they did give off a very supernatural vibe. And I think that her dreams were repressed memories. Well, she said I, that. Yeah, I think she said, yeah, they were repressed memories. That's that's the only thing I can think of. Um, him being able to make all those faces, especially disguised in his voice. I mean, this is not Scream 3. Like, <laughs> I don't know how he did that so perfectly. Like, do I got to burn in a fire in order to get that skill? Unless he was like some old school performer or something. I don't know. He but he wasn't. He was easy. a teenager, right? Like he's the yeah. same age as her. Yeah, straight up teenager. And um, what did I read? I think his mom was in a cult in regards it- to the movie. Yeah, and so that's why they were there in the first place. And but for some reason, she gets blamed. Well, so- and even his like his logic, and she's like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Is when he's like, "I'll just finish off the movie, and then everything will go right. My mom won't die in the fire, and I won't get burned." I'm like. That you're talking time travel. That's a different plan, man. Like, yeah, I I think he was clearly a little bit crazy and just hell bent on getting revenge for his family. But um, yeah, I I just I didn't really pay too much attention on trying to guess who the killer was. I mean, at a certain point, I was like, it's either the boyfriend or him. So or Toby, you know. So mm-hmm. I was just like, it's one of them. We'll j- I'll just let the chips fall. Um, I did kind of want a bigger body count, but to think about it, there really wasn't that much body counts back in the day. You know, it was more on the suspense and and sort of that build up to something. But they assigned a death to each movie and have it be as significant in the film as it is in real life. And you just wonder, like, you can go to the movies now and just be like, people could just be dying behind the scenes. We wouldn't even know about it because it just happens so in your face, but not in your face. I think one thing that's interesting about that is I really liked the how they did the first two deaths, the mosquito and the electrical. And then the smell-o-vision death was kind of like he gets locked in a toilet stall with chemicals, and I was just like, that's lame and sad. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's an explosion, and then he, like, blows up and whatnot. Um, I, I was very curious how he made the faces because, the like, for instance, the the death with that guy in the bathroom, like, don't you need to, like, get a hold of them? And like mold their face before you can make it. And so it's just like, how did he get his face? Um, I think they actually showed that earlier on. Did they show Uh, that earlier? During the the montage of them prepping, they showed them making a model of his face in particular. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I guess I just was unsure how he was getting them because he didn't make the professor's face until after he died. So I figured that's what he had to do in order to just be, you know, be in disguise for them but um notice that cheryl didn't get her face made guess he didn't want to impress a a black woman that was just too far (laughs) no black face (laughs) no black face no we're not doing that but speaking of which you recognized her right no 
Kelly Joe Minter? Uh-uh. No? Oh, how about you, Tony? Did you recognize her? See, I recognized her, but I couldn't place it, and I meant to go uh, back and look it up, but I just forgot to actually do that research. So uh, this woman is like the queen of surviving horror films. Like, nobody can say that black people do not survive in horror films because she continues to live. So she is, I guess, more noticeable from Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs. She plays the older sister to our main character. She isn't in the thick of it, so there's no really big reason for her to die, but she shows up predominantly in the beginning and at the end. Uh, She is also famous for being one of the Elm Street kids in Part 5, The Dream Child. Hmm. She is the skeptic nurse who does not believe Freddy exists throughout the entire film. If you remember part five. Uh, yes, actually, I re- recently rewatched all the Nightmare films, so I know exactly who that is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she has, for some reason, a cameo, but yet a, a part that may have been removed because you can see her name in the credits. But yet she can only be found very briefly in the background looking towards the camera. She's in The Lost Boys. Huh. But I think she had a bigger part that was cut out because it was just weird to have her in the credits for one. She didn't have a speaking role in it, but yet she was like face on. She worked at the video store the mom worked at. Okay. And yeah, so it's, it, but she lived throughout all of those. And so she lived through this. She was not in the thick of the drama. <laughs> and she even punched a dude in the face, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Okay, can we talk about that for a moment? That was one weird thing. Because that dude was apparently dating the one blonde chick, and then he was also dating this other chick, and they both seemed to know about it and seemed to be, like, moderately okay with it. It was a little weird. It's called polyamory. And then he disappears for a little bit, and he comes back, and this random dude is in his seat with his arm around, like, his girlfriend. He's like, you're in my seat. And he goes, it was unoccupied. And it's just like... Who are you? <laughs> That's how you did it in the 80s, man. It was so easy to just be like, nope, we're broken up. I moved on all in the same evening. But yeah, <laughs> he, he, I don't know. I guess Mark was like supposed to go with Jill, but Jill's like, I have this project. I want to do my script. Screw you. Fine. I'll go to the movies with the other, you know, the other pretty girl in the school. And then he ditches her to try and like, you know, spend time with Jill, and so then the girl moves on. It, it, yeah. And the dude, for some reason, just wanted to like be her. Didn't he look grown as hell? These are high school kids, right? <laughs> They're yeah. supposed to be. What the hell was that right. pairing about? That was a little <laughs> weird, but. <laughs> um, did anybody else get a complete nightmare feel from the scene where she's sitting down with her mom, D. Wallace? And she's like, he's in my dreams, mom. I see him in my dreams. And I'm like, this is an exact scene from Nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. And speaking of, Dee Wallace, always, always happy to see her in horror films. I love that she's chosen this as her, like, predominant genre to be in. Mm -hmm. And I got to say that her scene, to me, was actually the scariest. When she visits the theater by herself and she's got the gun and then oh, like yeah. those hands come through the arm and grab her and kidnap her. I thought that scene was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And also that, that scene was pretty good, but it also makes zero sense compared to the rest of the film. 
Oh yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, they don't let us know exactly what was going on um, until the very end. And for her to even agree to go there was, uh, but I guess she was doing it to protect her daughter and try and get ahead of things because she also was harboring a secret. Right. She didn't want all that stuff to come out. But um, I wouldn't have gone there by myself, especially with all those like letters falling off the marquee. I'm like, nope, this nope. is not my jam. I got to come here with backup. Turn I'm around good. and get the fuck out. Exactly. I love her first scene when she gets the phone call for the first time. She's so casual about it. Like she might as well have been like, oh, you know, just another weird phone call. Yeah. The second pizza? time. <laughs> yeah. The second time she was pissed. Yeah. Like, no, because he knew he knew what was going on. Um. I gotta say that the makeup actually is pretty good too. Mm -hmm. I really liked his face design and just the way that the skin kept stretching and flapping around and all that stuff. I thought that was awesome. Um, what did you guys think that of whole the scene where he's dancing around? Is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. And, no. I and do the like changing that. faces. I really enjoyed that that scene. I yeah, the changing faces was really good. Um, of course, they do that. Villain makes a speech about his entire plan. Yeah. And I'm like, you could have done with this ritual like two movies ago if you had just kept your mouth shut <laughs> and just gone with it. But no. Totally the villain it. monologue's iconic. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. You gotta have the villain monologue. <laughs> so, Tony, you mentioned you liked the mosquito death. What was your favorite death? Or, like, like was there a death that actually was kind of cool? Um, I guess mine's not so much a death, but I liked when he was posing as... I don't remember names. <laughs> None oh, of the okay. names stuck with me. Okay. But the kissing scene where he's wearing the guy's mask. Oh, the and professor, like, yes. Yeah, and the, the mask comes apart at the mouth. Like, that looked really cool. That was a good That was a good scene. I like that one. That was a really good one. I actually liked the early deaths, and I found the later deaths to be lamer. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they started off so strong, and then as they got towards the end, it's just like... It felt like they lost steam. I actually, I, I actually do like the mosquito death. I thought that was pretty clever. The electric chair was very like a slow burn, suspenseful thing. Is he going to be able to pull it off? And that's the other thing with the eighties too. That's the second, no, third time. Did they kill the brother in the wheelchair from Texas Chainsaw? Yes. Okay, so this is the third wheelchair chair death oh, that yeah, i've noticed friday part three right? yes no part two. two i think part two or you could be right i think it might be part three hmm. yeah one of those two but yeah jason did it this movie and then texas Ch like they do not hold back they don't care they will take anybody out <laughs> um but yeah um also these deaths happen to like good people like no one deserved to die either which i think was also a big trope Back in the day, I mean, I don't think anybody deserves to die, but usually you would give it to like the mean person or somebody that, you know, didn't like the final girl or something like that. But oh, it's part two. It the douchebag jock. Exactly. Yeah. There's usually something to kind of justify a death and we want to see them die and stuff like that. But like nobody did anything to these people, I guess, except for the fact like, oh, the professor was sleeping with the student. So kill him. But dude, yeah, but we didn't even find out about that until after he died exactly yeah no that's true um right so it's like it it, it kind of was like one of those things where it's like oh shit they killed the teacher he seemed to be like really cool with these kids and then all of a sudden it's just like oh i guess he was sleeping with her but you know does that really justify it and then the wheelchair kids then or uh, the girls the next one to die and then the wheelchair kid and it's like why 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 <laughs> why yeah. toby why 
<laughs> so this is what's really interesting too that I wish they had kind of stretched out. Toby was going to go kill the nurse, but in, behind her back. And so she is talking while he's like slowly approaching her. She then confesses that she really is into Toby and he decided to spare her. Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder why he held back even, you know, with that. And I, I, I mean, does he have a heart, I guess? Or, you know, was it very personal? Like, ooh, somebody thinks I'm beautiful, even though I have this, you know, disfigured face. Like, was there a little heart to him? Was he sane? Like, why do you guys think he spared her? I don't know. I think it was like one of those things where when he says it, he has like this moment of like panic and freak out where he, he just couldn't process that. Cause he's like, no, I, I can't process these emotions. I'm dealing with these other emotions. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think he was just excited that she wanted him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that makes sense. Not being able to process it too. Yeah. Especially um, if he's, he's as psychotic as they kind of portray him. To be all of a sudden being like, oh, uh, there's these other emotions. I don't know what to do with those, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the three films that we got in in this movie, it was what the first one was just Mosquito, right? Was that yeah. the name of it? Mosquito, the electrifying man, and the stench. Um, if you guys were paying attention, do you guys have a favorite film that they were watching that you'd probably watch on your own? Oh, the stench, one hundred percent. What was the stench about? I didn't understand exactly what I was watching. Um, so from what little they showed of it, it was obviously a Japanese film. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a dub film, so it was very kind of like Godzilla esque, or maybe like the host. But what I yeah. really enjoyed was like we see those rock climbers that descend down in the pit, and it's like, what's that smell? Oh, let's get out of here! And then they get killed by the stench. And then there's the scientists who are like, we must save this. So it kind of reminded me of like. Um. Oh, what's that new Godzilla film that came out recently? The one that's Kings more of, of a, King of Monsters. No, no, no. The the Korean one. Um. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The one that's more uh, of a political dra- a bureaucratic drama than it is a monster movie. Yeah. It, no, I didn't I, see that one. Um, I'd have to look that look it up, but it's just like it reminded me very much of that, and I think of of them. That's the one I would want to watch. Nice, nice. What about you, Sean? Do you have one that looked interesting? <laughs> I would watch The Mosquito, and my reasoning for it is the scene where they're in the car and it, like, attacks the guy and sucks him dry through his head. <laughs> like, watching him get sucked dry that way with those effects. Yeah. It would be a fun movie. Okay, all right. I love the fact that we all have different answers, and so each movie gets appreciated. I love The Electrifying Man. Well, that's how you told us to do it. This I, was planned. Shut up. That was not planned. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed that, even though I Oh, shit. Did I screw sh- that up? No, no, no. No, <laughs> No, you picked the right one. No, that's good. It's funny how we all chose a different one. But like, even though I hated Shocker to death, I hate that movie so much. The Electrifying Man sounded super fun and interesting. Just the way that he was electrocuting people and just came back to life the way that he did. And then the ending of him just like, oh, I've been touching people and electrocuting them as I go. But yet if I kiss this woman, she'll be fine. And then she kills her and then decides, well, I don't want to live anymore. And then he kills himself. I I don't know. That movie just looked a lot of fun. That villain looked like a Batman villain. Mm -hmm. That's right. By the way, the one I'm thinking about is called Shin Godzilla. 
Oh, okay. I think I've heard of that title, but I definitely didn't see it. Uh, so, um, what about the acting, guys? What do we think about the acting? Believable? Done exactly how it was supposed to go for these types of movies? It was done like it was supposed to. They okay. were very much like an old-style horror movie. Mm-hmm. Cheesy acting. Okay. I thought it was campy. I liked it. I really liked uh, Toby when he yeah, reveals Toby's who cool. he is. When he goes into his villain monologue, I was like, I love this. He's great mm-hmm. as a villain. But the rest of them, it was like, this is just, you know, Scream Queen's standard 80s not level horror movie acting. It's nothing special. Yeah. Would you guys have preferred the villain to be her father the way she predicted or is this sort of revelation of who he is and what he was doing a lot better? I think I definitely wanted more of a supernatural idea behind the movie. Mm-hmm. Something to bring in like the dreams and the marquee scene and all that. Mm-hmm. So it being an actual person maybe wasn't as exciting to me. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I felt like with... Toby, he was really funny when this villain monologue, but I would have preferred this to be more of a supernatural than a like a slasher thriller. Because even with a slasher thriller, the like the death count is really low on it. And I also mm-hmm. just kind of felt like it, it it tries to do this like what a twist, but then I'm like I don't actually as much as I love Toby's speech and it's cheesy as hell and it's great and him switching between the personalities is fun. It it just also felt like his motivation was super lacking. You know, mm-hmm. like the his actual plot and plan. It's just like, what are you doing with your life? Like, how did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely was very one tracked with this. He had one mission, and that was to get back at. But I mean, I want. Was it an anniversary? Like, why now? Or was it just this was the only opportunity he had? He had to go to school every day to just execute oh, this plan. Yeah. Like, it's it's just so fun. <laughs> <laughs> that he went through all of this just to create this scene. Um, well, to be fair, it was his recommendation. Like, at the very beginning of the film, they say, oh, Toby's that, had a great idea. And that should have tipped all of us off, that it was him. That's the true. fact that he did this, and I didn't even think about it. <laughs> all right, so I think we've talked about this movie quite a bit. Uh, why don't we rate this film? Sean, what are we going to rate it this 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 time? Let's rate it unnecessary marquee scenes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, how many unnecessary marquee scenes should this movie not have? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to start with some good. I'm going to say that I really liked the use of dark in this movie. It's very stark in how they used it, and it actually made it kind of eerie for me. Mm -hmm. It actually reminded me of like Argento in his heyday. But I also really liked the music scenes. I thought that was a nice touch and a little random. Mm-hmm. So because of those, I am going to give it some points. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give it 1.5. 1.5 unnecessary marquee scenes. Okay. Yeah, it's not a movie like I could see myself watching again, and I don't think I'd recommend it just because it wasn't campy enough to be like fun for me, and the story wasn't interesting enough to be worthwhile. Okay. All right. Tony, what about yourself? For something like this, I would rate it a two. I found it to be campy, but not campy enough. And it was cheesy, but not cheesy enough. And it was meta, but not meta enough. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of was like, 
it was on the cusp of all these things and it needed to kind of push one direction a little farther and it would have made this movie a lot stronger. But I really liked the concept. I really loved the full audience and how they reacted. I love the final, like the final scene where the audience is like cheering him on to kill her, not realizing he's actually going to kill her thinking it's just part of the production. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of really cool concepts here and I just feel like the execution's off. So I got to give it a two out of uh, two, two useless marquee scenes. Okay. Yeah, I am going to second that. I give it a two as well. I found that the concept was good. I was engaged the whole time. And I do like the mystery aspect of it. I do have a big problem with its execution. Uh, I think the deaths were creative, I'm sure, especially for its time. They, they were very creative. And to experience something like this and like you said tony the meta side of it i thought was pretty clever to have it all done in a abandoned theater where they are showing movies that inspired this movie as well um the practical effects i thought were great and um yeah i just think mostly the execution just lacked a little bit um i unfortunately don't have anyone that I would recommend this to except for people who are hardcore fans of this genre, especially today. I'm sure back in the day I would have recommended this to a lot more people, but today I don't know if I would be able to do that with confidence. Mm. However, Brian recommended this to us. And with confidence. I'm sh- with confidence. And so, like I said, there is a fan out there for every movie, and this one, you know, resonated with him more than our panel today but at the same time do i regret watching this absolutely not which is why i gave it a two um rather than like anything lower is because um this is a film that is just off my bucket list as far as like watching something that i would pass through blockbuster all the time (laughs) and i think another uh sort of cover that always stood out that i always got these two mixed up was popcorn and um the stuff because the poster always had this like face removal thing on there. Mm. And I would always get both movies mixed up. And so now I know the significant difference of it. And now I can watch the stuff and know exactly what it's about. But yeah, I mean, this is something that I've always been curious about, which is why I'm glad he chose this for us. So thank you, Brian, for that. It's another one off the list. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So, that's going to do it for our uh, review of the film. Now let's go right back to Tony. He's going to introduce us to his second game. All right. So have you guys ever played the game Taboo? Of course. Yes. All right. So this is kind of like that. So the way this is going to work is I have two different lists of movies here. Um, I have classic horror movies and 1991 box office topping movies. And we're going to play a game I call the Awesome Lodge Word Game, uh, which is actually just a play on a Canadian TV show game here called the Possum Lodge word game. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, So I have two minutes and I'm going to try and get you guys to individually name 10 different movies. So you guys can decide between yourself who wants what category. uh, And then I'm going to try and get you guys to guess them. I got two minutes. I can't use any of the words in the title. I can't use any actors names, directors names, or character names. Okay. And it's only one of us at a time. It's only one of you guys at a time. And each of you guys get your own category. Okay, so I have a feeling you would be better at the classic ones than me. So I okay. know you would love the 90s ones, but I think classic, you would probably do better. But I'll if, try it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and watch me like fail at the 90s ones, but 
Okay. So Sean's going to go first. All right. Sean's going to go do first. The, he's going to do the classic um, round. Classic horror. All right. Yes. Yep. Are you, are you ready, Sean? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. In three, two, one. All right. So the first one is a holiday that takes place on October 31st. Halloween. Yes. The next one is a classic film that involves a shower scene and someone getting stabbed. Psycho. All right, the next one, uh, one of the famous quotes is, uh, your mother sucks dicks in hell. <laughs> oh, shit, I know this. You. Uh, when you're... you're trying to get a demon out of somebody, it's an... Uh, oh, exorcist. Yes. Uh, this next one takes place in a hotel over a winter. Um, oh, The Shining. Po- yes. <laughs> Uh, this next one it takes place in the Lone Star uh, State, and it's about it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. Uh, this next one, the opposite of day is night. All right, and uh, that's the first word, and so it's blank of night of the living dead. That is correct. Uh, this next one is uh, it's technically two words, but the first word are two different female names, one of those names being a flower, a mm. red flower most commonly. Rose. Yeah, uh, so the next one is also a female's name. Um, the author of Frankenstein is Blank Shelley. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yes, uh, so this next one is about a vampire, but it's not Dracula. It's like the off-brand Dracula. Nosferatu. Yes, this next one is about a shark named Bruce. Jaws. That is correct. That's all 10. <laughs> and technically, Bruce you. isn't the character name. Bruce is the name of the machine. Right. Yeah. No, I knew you'd nail those. That's awesome. Good job. I don't know why I had trouble with Rosemary's Baby. I don't know why you had trouble with Exorcist. That's like the best quote in the world. Yeah, but I try to ignore that movie. I don't like it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> all right. I'm going to try and nail this year of 91. 91's a little bit more of a rougher one, so uh, good luck with this one. So here we go, starting in three, two, one. All right, so these are Heroes in a Half Shell. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But it's not the first movie, it's the next one. Um, uh, Secret of the Use. That's correct. Um, this one involves a kid who puts aftershave on his face and screams when he's uh, Home alone. left. Yep. Uh, this next one is all about a cannibal. A, a very cannibal. Yep. Uh, oh, Sons of the Lambs. Yes. Uh, a what's a smaller than a metropolis, but bigger than a town is a uh, a city. Uh, yeah. A, okay, city. A, city is the first word, and the second word is a the English call a poncho or a raincoat. It's another term for that. Uh. City, oh, 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 oh. When country people make fun of people who live in big urban areas, they call them... Oh, um, city, no, oh, God, why am I not getting this? Um, we'll pass for now. Okay, Uh, this next one is about a guy who steals from the rich and gives to the poor. Robin Hood? Uh, yep. Uh, this next one is a baseball movie. Uh, the opposite of cold is... Hot. Um, and if you were to hot, hot, no, not hot shots. Um, no, no that's it. Um, that's it. Oh, hot shots. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, the opposite of a, a live is dead. And if you're repeating an action, you're doing it. 
um repeating an action um uh dead dead again oh dead again yeah yep okay uh yes. this next one um if you were to go out and try to catch fish with a rod oh that's time oh crap how many did i get seven seven uh, the fisher king the adams family and hook were the last ones that you didn't get to. oh okay and the city one what was that one city slickers city slickers crap <laughs> good job sean yeah i guess city slickers <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah i'm actually better at guessing than giving clues i'm surprised i didn't get more of those but no that was that was great yeah so that's one of the games that i like to do on my show that i a lot of people have fun with so tony tell everyone about your show what your aesthetic is on your movie podcast and where we can find you all right, so I'm on all the major podcasting apps as well as my website, flixxray.com. You can find me on most of the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, same handle, flixxray. Uh, what we like to do is I like to have a roundtable discussion. We usually have three to five people. We sit down, we watch a movie beforehand, and then we'll come in and we'll talk about it and play some uh, movie-related trivia games. Well, not so much trivia. It's mostly trying to guess movie titles. So that's a, that's a lot of what we do. And we like to break down movies and get into really weird tangents, you know, (laughs) (laughs) very good. I mean, that's very similar to our show. We tangent the shit out of every movie we talk about, but, um, yeah, it's just basically just a bunch of friends hanging out and having a discussion, um, about movies. So no, that, that sounds awesome. And again, I just want to bring up that, uh, this very special episode is part of all the horror we are one of 31 episodes ranging from podcasters to bloggers to writers um so and we are all mashed up do um guest starring on other people's shows so you're gonna get a little taste of a lot of podcasts out there some that you may know some you may not know go to twitter at all the horror 18 you will find posts and um, possibly a calendar of all of the episodes prior to this one and also just keep a lookout for all the future episodes coming out for the rest of the month just make sure to follow that and um, yeah I hope you all enjoyed our review of popcorn Tony thank you so much for guest starring on our show we really really appreciate it no, so uh, I definitely will have two episodes going up as a part of it, and I'm not quite sure in the order where they will be fitting, but look for, uh, I have Ryan T- uh, Terry coming on and talking about New Nightmare, and then we're also talking about the indie movie uh, Eight Ball the Clown. So those are the two episodes that I'm going to be doing for all the horror. Very good, very good. Well, um, yeah, make sure to uh, tune in to Movie Geek and Proud every other Wednesday. We'll have an episode for you. And uh, we'll be doing a collection of horror recommendations for those who um, need a horror movie to watch. We will have uh, a guest star on here, Brad from The Cinema Guys, who's going to help us review one of three movies where each one of us will bring to the table and just do a mini review, giving you a three-in-one. So uh, look out for that, and uh, thank you for tuning in to our show. Sean, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, and thank you for listening.